Good morning. Welcome here this morning. Uh, we have lots of work to do. It's a long passage that we're going to uh, read this morning. And um, we'll start right away at this Joshua 8. I'll give you a few minutes to find it. If you took one of the Bibles from the church, then page number is page 218. Joshua 8, from verse 1. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and rise and go to Ai. See, I have given into your hands the king of Ai and his people, his city and his land. And you shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 men of valor and sent them out by night. And he commanded them, Behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain steady, and I and all the people who are with you will approach the city. And when they come against us, just as before, we shall flee from them, and they will come out after us until we have drawn them away from the city. For they will say, they are fleeing from us just as before. See, we will flee before them, and then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will give it into your hand. And as soon as you have taken the city, you shall set the city on fire. You shall do according to the word of the Lord. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent them out, and I and they went to the place of ambush and lay between between Bethel and Ai, to the west of Ai. Just jo- but Joshua spent that night among the people. Joshua also arose in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near the city and encamped on the north side of Ai, with a ravine between them and Ai. And he took 5,000 men and set them in an ambush between Bethel and Ai, to the west of the city. So they stationed the forces, the main encampment that was north of the city, and its rear guard west of the city. But Joshua spent that night in the valley. As soon as the king of Ai saw this, he and all his people, the men of the city, hurried and went out of the city to, appointed, to the appointed place toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle. But he did not know that there was an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all, the is- and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them and fled in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people who were in the city were called together to pursue them. And as they pursued Joshua, they were drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who did not go out after Israel. They left the city open and pursued Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the javelin that is in your hand toward Ai, and I will give it into your hand. Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. And the men in the ambush was, rose quickly out of their place, and as soon as they had stretched out his hand, they ran and entered the city and captured it. And they hurried to set the city on fire. So when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven, and they had no power to flee this way or that. So the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against their pursuers. When Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had captured the city, 
and that the smoke of the city went up, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out of the city against them, so they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was none left that survived or escaped. But the king of Ai took alive, they took alive and brought him near to Joshua. When Israel finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness, they pursued them, and all of them, to the very last, had fallen by, by the edge of the sword. All Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all who, felt, who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all people of Ai. But Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. Only the livestock and the spoil that the city of that city Israel took as their plunder, according to the word of the Lord that he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it forever a heap of ruins, as it is to this day. And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset Joshua commanded that they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raised over a heap of great heap of stones, which stands there to this day. That time Joshua built an altar to the Lord and the God of Israel on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel. As it's written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones, on which no man has wielded an iron tool. They offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, so junior as well as native-born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There's not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. So let's pray before we go further. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your word as you give us your messages for us to learn who you are and how we need to walk with you. We thank you for this passage, and we pray, dear Lord, that you'll use this passage to uh, quicken our hearts to know how to listen to you, how to obey you, and how to have victory in life. We pray that's your name alone. Amen. So in the American Revolution, they had um, militiamen that were not trained soldiers. They were farmers and family men, and they were known for not being good soldiers. They ran away a lot, and they weren't that reliable. But Colonel Dan Morgan used this to his benefit at the Battle of Cowpens. Morgan's regiment had militiamen as well as trained soldiers, and um, they took up a position on the border of South and North Carolina and uh, around a small hill. And Morgan put a line of uh, trained soldiers in front and the militia 
behind them. As the British began their frontal assault, the trained soldiers uh, battled well and they withdrew. Then the trained soldiers ran behind the hill and were left, he was left with the militiamen. And as the British started again, the militiamen each shot one, two shots uh, and then ran behind the hill. So the British thought they won the war and they went up to the hill where they encountered not just only the trained soldiers in front of them, but also some that went behind them and an ambush was created and 900 redcoats were either killed or captured. So Captain Morgan was clever, but he stole this strategy from God and from Joshua because this, as we just saw, this happened in the time of Joshua. We all often feel down as we look at where Israel is right now. Things went awry. They just lost against uh, an enemy the first time that once they crossed the Jordan that they've lost. And they were really concerned because now the people that had the fear of God in them because of how they dealt with the Jericho was not afraid of them anymore. And like with our failures, often when we analyze it, we realize that we either ran ahead of God or never submitted to God's uh, guiding. And uh, this is where Israel is today. Pastor Leland went through the defeat by the hands of the people of Ai the previous time. This is where they are now. And so what went wrong? Why did they lose the, against the, the people of Ai? And uh, Pastor Leland went through that. But I'll just highlight a few things. Because of their, the Israelites' success against Jericho, they were very confident in themselves. We don't see that they've consecrated themselves. We don't see that they've waited for God. They just said, man, we're good. Let's go get them. And then they sent spies out, which they always did, because that's the way they do things. And, you know, this is the standard. And then the spies came back and gave them not just what they saw, but also an opinion. And they believed that. And if we see the previous time they came into the promised land, they sent spies in, they got information, they got their opinions, and never went in and ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness because they listened to the spies. But they have forgotten that. They also didn't go up as a whole nation. They just sent a small band. And... Um, we can see there was, they were doing things by themselves on the, without God. So what turned this crisis around, as we saw that we just read, and um, for me it seems like God showed up. He said, I'm here. What are you guys doing? He said, you messed up. But, but he said, the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear and do, and do not be dismayed because you know, I'm with you. And he gave him a plan, this ambush plan, and he empowered the leader, Joshua, to speak to him and to explain to him what he needed to do, and also said that I guarantee you victory. The people then 
accepted this. And you would think, as we go through it, God has provided for them many times. And they should have known to wait for God. And they should know to be able to trust God. But they've already forgotten that because they were more concerned about themselves and what they can do. So what is the answer to this predicament that they find themselves in then? Um, they realized they needed to follow, follow God in all the steps that God gave them. They needed to consecrate themselves. And as we see, consecration means that you need to find out what sin is in the community as well as in your own life and deal with it before God can bless you. They had to submit to godly leadership and not to rely on opinion of few and act as united people. What made Joshua effective now as a leader is that he listened to God and he listen to the word of God and as we see that even afterwards he read everything he didn't leave pieces out he took the whole word of God everything that was written down by Moses in consideration and even afterwards he wrote the, the law on the stones of the altar so that showed his wisdom he also showed his courage and he went with the people into battle and showed his faith is in God and uh, so the plan God had for for the victory is uh, for the Israelites to listen and follow these commands and follow Joshua to go as a united group being of one mind even if they had different roles Joshua gave 5,000 people the instruction to set an ambush and the rest were with him and there was no rebellion, who goes where. They accepted their designated roles in this, in this um, venture. And he also said, don't, don't be um, proud. Like if you have to retreat initially, even if it looks like defeat, um, illusion of failure can sometimes be the beginning of success. And he told them to, F to finish the job. To us, it's horrifying if you read some of these Old Testaments that they killed the whole city, men, women, and child. And, but that's another thing to show you the contempt and the, and the, uh, that God has for sin. And um, that is why what we save from when we believe in Jesus. We will not have to... Uh, face his wrath. So fortunately, they, the Israel decided to obey God, and they went as a nation, and they did the job. They completed and finished it, and what they did afterwards is they worshiped God. They came together, they built an altar, they, and they sacrificed to um, worship God. So just to go back, compared that with the people of Ai, why did they get exterminated? They were the people that were living in sin, had no relationship with God. And in this battle, they were overconfident. They saw that the Israelis were retreating, and they put all their forces into pursuing them. 
not taking care of what is their own or what is important. So their temporary success blinded their eyes, and they blindly followed a leader that was acting on his own strength. So what do we learn from that is our victory is dependent on God, not ourselves. Not to trust in our own instinct and do the obvious, what seems to be obvious at the time. To make sure our leaders are guided by God and to cherish and look after what is precious to us. And so that's what the people of Ai did. And then the Israelites did well the second time around. What can we learn from that? As we know right now, Sean mentioned like we live in different times. We have this COVID around us. We have a very liberal um, look on life. If you look at any of our regular news medias, and it's infiltrating in our schools and our universities. And um, we have a very anti-Christian uh, society. When I was a kid, being a Christian would actually advance you in life. At the moment, it does the opposite, if you stand out to be a Christian, as far as the general pub public opinion is concerned. And, uh, but God has placed us in a battle in Porabuni, uh, or you in your family, or in your friend group of friends, with a purpose. And uh, the Church of Christ across the whole world is in the same battle. And we have to not just look after what we do, as we've already prayed this morning, the people that are under persecution and, and people that are struggling somewhere else as part of brothers and sisters of us in Christ, we need to um, pray for them and even support them. We read in Ephesians 6 verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So brothers and sisters, we don't just face the few things that I've mentioned to you now. There are dimensions of this war that um, it's hard to perceive and hard to understand. But um, people have experienced these different things on different occasions. And um, sometimes when things go poorly for us in a we have to look at, you know, if it's um, a spiritual battle, not just circumstances. And it's important that we, in this battle, to win, because that is, um, that is why we go into battle, and our victory is guaranteed. We are unable to win any battles without God. The evil one is very powerful and more powerful than any one of us. And if we ever thought that we could stand against him, we will fail. Only God is more powerful than Satan. And 1 John 4, verse 4, four we read, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So that is what we always have to remember when we in a battle or in circumstances, we ourselves are unable to overcome. But he who is with us is, um, is able to overcome. We saw in uh, chapter 5 in Joshua, when 
Joshua met this man with a drawn sword ready to do battle. And when we read through the Bible, that was Jesus. He was at that time ready to do battle and intervene for them, and he is still today. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6, we read, For we walk in the flesh. We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty, opi lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when our obedience is complete. So we all walk in the flesh, we live in the flesh, we live in this world, and we have struggles, but we don't fight it like the rest of the world does. Our weapons of warfare can destroy divine to, to strong uh, strongholds from the evil one through our divine power in Jesus Christ. And we read about arguments and lofty opinions. There's lots of them around. Everyone has their own opinion on things, but and a lot of that is against the knowledge of God. But we need to keep every thought captive and uh, make sure we obey what the Bible says. We have the superpower of the universe in our side. And we are guaranteed victory. And before we go into any battle, just the same as here, Israel had to not just consecrate each individual, but there was corporate sin, and that Achan stole some of the goods he wasn't supposed to steal. And God said, I'm not going to give you victory unless you deal with this sin. And the same is true for our lives individually as well, as well as corporately. Unless we examine our hearts through the Bible, as we said, read in previously in Hebrews 4, it says that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing through to the division of the soul and mind and bone and spirit, bone and tendon. And so that's what we need to reflect ourselves to, to be able to see the sin, because it's like looking in the mirror quickly, and you don't might see in the morning you forgot to shave unless you look closely. <laughs> and that's what the Bible shows you. If you look closely, it will show up the defects that we need to get out of our lives and able for God to enable to bless us. And we need to help one another. And it, we're sometimes offended if that happens, but we need to do that in a loving, caring way to help one another to, to uh, understand the word of God and to walk the walk and to be able to um, be obedient as a group as well as we do individually. Colossians 1, 27 to 29, we read, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So again, Paul t 
knows the, the value and the preciousness of this hope of glory that each of us have in us if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we need to live in such a way that people can see we have this hope. Because it says that when people see that hope in us, they will ask us an explanation and we will be able to tell them why it is that we have this hope. And, it's, and Paul pours out his soul here and he says, um, I proclaim this warning everyone, teaching everyone with all the wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So that's all of this whole thing, uh, consecrating, growing in Christ, becoming mature in Christ. He said, I do this struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And again, he talks about toil, work, but he says he does not rely on his own strength. He relies on the energy that powerfully works through him, the, the Holy Spirit, through him ministering to the people that he's caring for. So looking further to go and have a victory, we also need godly leaders and we need to keep them accountable and we need to follow them when they lead us in a godly way. And we have to make sure that they know God intimately and their decisions need to be based wholly on the word of God and not on some parts of the Bible, but the whole word of God. They have to show faith in God and not in their own abilities. And they need to follow God's directions and lead in faith and in courage. Because that's what God has told Joshua as a model for us. And then Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Well, that would be of no advantage to you. So leaders don't just make sure that the government is not upset with our organization, but leaders have to keep watch over the souls of the people they lead because they have to give an account to God for the people that they lead. And um, then for people that follow, it should make it a joy for them to do so because that makes them able to do it better. Talking about the sin, a verse that came back to me, uh, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So if we're running a race, if you ever watched track and field, they have light clothes on and light spikes and they don't carry a backpack because that will slow them down. And same goes with us if we want to run this race and win. We need to get rid of sin that slows us down and, and it keeps us from running freely. And we should not make hasty decisions based on previous experiences or just because we've done it like that before. Our guidance should be in prayer and reflection of what the Word of God teaches and are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. And then we should not allow just a few people to fight the battle, but the whole congregation, the whole family is part of this battle. 
There has to be unity and purpose, even if they're different roles and different tasks. Everyone of, in a church, in a congregation, in a family, has a place and a task. And if they don't do that task properly, the rest of the body cannot function properly. And like God said to the Israelites too, you need to finish the job. Don't say, well, I'm going this way and I've gone far enough. When God gives you a task, you need to complete it. And with the, with the power and the energy that God gives you. We see that when they worshipped God after the victory, that they didn't change things. Like the Moses was given instruction, when you build an altar for God, you take the the rock, and you fit them where they fit in so they can make an altar. You don't chisel the corners off and make it square. And that's sort of what God wants us to do. We all are kind of awkward rocks, but we have a place to fit in. And, you know, God will do the chiseling, and, you know, but people need to fit in, and we don't need to change things. God will do the changing. John 1, verse 1, we read, that which, that which was from the beginning, which we heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manif made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that our joy may be complete, that your, our joy may be complete. So, it's amazing that um, we're on Team God, and we need to have joy. But, you know, being on a winning team like this is, is amazing, because we're not by ourselves. We are in fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ, his Son, as well as when Jesus went back to be with the Father, he's given us his Holy Spirit. And the battle around us raging um, in the church, outside the church, in our families, and it's not going to quiet down. It probably will intensify. If we fight it individually, we're guaranteed to lose. If we fight it together but not submitted to God, we will lose. We have to remind, be reminded in verse 1, the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear and do not be dismayed. We too do not have to fear or be dismayed because we have Jesus on our side. He is all-powerful and has guaranteed us the victory. We need to just follow him and obey him. So let us today consecrate ourselves Submit to God, put on the armor of God, and stand firm against the evil one, and have victory in the battles we engage in by the power of God. And I'll just finish up reading Ephesians 6. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
take up the whole armor of God, that you may be, be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you love us and care for us, that you've called us before the creation of this world. Before Joshua, you have known us. Thank you that Jesus has been there all along, and as he stood in for Israelites and Joshua, he is there for us today. We thank you, dear Lord, for your word and your teaching on your word. Help us, dear Lord, to, to take your, your word uh, for what, it's, what it is, your word, and believe it and obey it. Help us, dear Lord, to look at our lives and consecrate ourselves. We know, dear Lord, that we all have sin. We all have, always will have sin. But help us to wrestle with it just as um, people over the years have done so and commit ourselves to you so that you will do the work of sanctification in our lives, that we will become mature in you, that you'll change our character as, and make us more like you. Help us, dear Lord, as a community of believers to love one another and to be in this battle together. Dear Lord, we have different strengths and different weaknesses, and that's just why we have, you have brought us together so that together we'll be a victorious force under your guidance and your leadership. We pray, dear Lord, for, especially for our young ones, in a, in a growing up in a culture that is different from what we grew up in, uh, hostile to your word and to, to you. And uh, dear Lord, we pray that you will support them and guide them and direct them. And in some ways, it's a good thing because we, this does not allow for uh, Christians that's on the fence. Dear Lord, we know we need to, to go in the boots and all. And dear Lord, we pray that uh, you help us to live lives that uh, just reflect your glory and the hope that we have within you. We know, dear Lord, that uh, we have to make much of you so that other people will also be able to want to know you and, and walk with you. And uh, we pray, dear Lord, as we go into this new season of fall coming, with school coming, and we have the COVID, and we have a transition at, at uh, the church here, that we will have joy as we know the victory is ours in you. We thank you that uh, you are our general and our, uh, our protection, and you will give us victory. In your name we pray.